Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. Happy Sunday. Um, so I'm just going to do a reading. So if you have your Bible beside you, grab it. Um, and if not, and you have one in the house, quickly run and grab one. Um, otherwise, it will be on the screen for you today. So yeah, I'm going to do read from two chapters in Acts. So the first one is from Acts 6, and then the second one will be from Acts 7. So starting from Acts 6, um, verse 8 to 15. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Sicilia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sahedron looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. And now I'm going to read from Acts 7. So just if you're on your Bible, turn over to Acts 7 verse 51. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voice, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And I'm just going to pray for Matthew before he comes to speak to us on these passages. And Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the gifting that you've given people in the church, um, including Matthew, that you share your word with others. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and fill and empower Matthew now. And I also, Holy Spirit, pray that you would come and ready our hearts and our minds to receive the words that you've given to Matthew now. Um, we love you, Lord, and we look forward to hearing from you today. Amen. 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 Thanks, Emma. Guys, uh, good afternoon. If this is your first time here, it's so good to have you. I'm, I'm Maffi, and I serve on the staff team here at CCC. So we're kicking off a new mini-series called Surprising Power. And over the next four weeks, we're going to focus on a, a small section of the Bible, Acts chapter 6 to 8, which tells stories of how how God has used these two people, Stephen and Philip, two totally ordinary guys, to fulfill his purposes and to spread, spread the message. 
And so the idea is that, is that God uses these two ordinary people who end up transforming the world to challenge and inspire us. So actually God's mandate isn't, isn't for the just the apostles or the people high up or the people in power. It's actually for the everyday ordinary believer like you and I. So as, as we reflect on the, on the surprising power in these two men, it can help us as we look to be, to be witnesses for Jesus in, in our context. <clears throat> so today we're going to consider the thought that in the face of slander, God can give us the power to suffer. And you might be thinking, Matthew, that doesn't sound all that appealing. I'll pass on that one. I'll just click off here. I would encourage you to give your next 20, 25 minutes to this talk because I'm, I'm convinced that God can transform our worlds and the worlds of those around us through our suffering. So the context to Acts chapter 6 is, is kind of wrapped up in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You'll, you'll see it on the screen. Um, Acts 1, verse 8 says these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So through the Holy Spirit, lives are being transformed. Uh, the Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost um, on, on the believers. And there are signs and there's wonders been done. And there's miracles being carried out through the apostles and through the other believers. And the gospel spread. But as the gospel spread, as more people became believers and started following Jesus, so more help was needed. And so here we are at chapter six. And there were Greek speaking Jewish widows who were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food and therefore complaints arose. And so the apostles ended up assigning seven people who were full of the spirit and faith, who they could rely on to, to help out with these physical tasks, while the apostles themselves devoted their time to the teaching of the word and to prayer. And so Stephen was one of the seven. So Stephen enters the frame in Acts chapter 6 as one who was chosen to meet a need, literally chosen to meet a physical need, distribute the food fairly to the Greek-speaking widows. But yet he ends up dead in chapter 8. He's literally in the Bible of two chapters. He comes on at 6 to meet a need and ends up dead in chapter eight. It's such a small part to play, but as we learn, he leaves a huge impact. He actually is the very first Christian to give up his life in a long list of martyrs for Christ. So the original wording for witnesses is where we actually get our English word martyr from. In other words, you will be my martyrs in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We'll say it again, you will be my sufferers. You'll suffer for my name. The original idea for suffer and witness is this idea of martyr. And so here we come across Stephen, who is not an apostle. He had not physically been with Jesus. He was not one of the 12. He was a, a rather ordinary man. And Luke describes him. So Luke wrote the book of Acts. Luke describes him as being full of God's grace and power, performing signs and wonders among the people. Church, here's an ordinary man demonstrating through his words and through his works the kingdom of God. The pattern here is that to extend the kingdom of God on heaven and on earth, God chooses ordinary people to manifest his presence in. And guys, that's good news for you and me. Yet we see in verse, in verse 8, if you take a look at verse 8, it basically shows that there's opposition that's arising from who? From the religious leaders. And so today I want, to, want us to help understand the role that the Holy Spirit plays in empowering us to suffer for the kingdom of God. The Spirit helps us to forfeit personal rights um, so we can defend the faith. The Spirit helps attend to our suffering, to deepen our faith. 
And the Spirit empowers us to live well, to prepare us to die well. So these are the three areas I want us to look at today. So the Spirit helps us to forfeit personal rights so we can defend the faith. So the religious leaders argued with Stephen, but look what it says, they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Stephen was a man full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, but notice the activity of the Spirit, giving him the wisdom as he spoke. Stephen actively engaged and the Holy Spirit actively provided. Do you see how the two work hand in hand? And Jesus had said to his disciples long before that the Holy Spirit would teach them what to say when they came to trial in Luke chapter 12. In other words, they will be given the words and the wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So here's Stephen, the ordinary guy, doing the very thing that Jesus instructed his disciples to do. So having been unable to refute what he was saying, the religious leaders then organized a smear campaign to discredit him, to silence him. They, they, they took it to the streets, first of all. They stirred up the people. And after stirring up the people, they went then to the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized him and brought him before the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish council. So false witnesses were produced. Stephen's arguments were twisted against him. He was slandered. He was falsely accused. And the reality is that Stephen was trying to show them the centrality of salvation was actually Jesus and not the law of Moses. He was actually trying to show them that the centrality of worship was Jesus and not the temple in Jerusalem. So Stephen is accused of blasphemy. He's put on trial. What we don't see is a man appealing to his personal rights. What we don't see is a man who protects himself, um, a, a man who pleads his own personal cause, but rather a man who is concerned only with the gospel. Concerned with the truth of Christ, the centrality of Christ over anything else. Here was a man slandered and misrepresented. And what we'll see next week is the power of the Spirit enabling him to speak and to, to defend not himself but the gospel. Yet in slander and misrepresentation and, and frustration of the truth and fake news and false witnesses, what do we find in Stephen's response? Look with me to verse 15. Look what verse 15 says. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Guys, Stephen was willing to suffer for the gospel. In the face of persecution, in front of the Jewish council, in the public sphere, he considered obedience to Christ of even greater value than anything else. A public spectacle was being made of him. All eyes were on him. Falsely accused, he laid aside his personal rights to defend only the faith. How tempting that must have been to try and defend himself, to try and get himself out of a sticky situation. He wasn't sure how it was going to go. All he was chosen to do was, was to provide um, some kind of administrative duties. But yet he, he couldn't help but proclaim the gospel. In the heat of persecution, his face was like that of an angel. There are so many echoes here back to, back to Exodus, where Moses met with God and he came down from the mountainside, his face glowing. And yet in the New Testament, in Matthew 16, the appearance of Jesus as he was transfigured, as he met with God on the mountain. And so here too is another transfiguration, so to speak, as Stephen has a vision of Jesus in glory as he begins to boldly defend the gospel. So Jesus had earlier said to his disciples in the upper room, uh, weeks before, don't be surprised if the world hates you because it hated me first. So following Jesus authentically has a huge cost. If we're to live our lives with Christ on display, it'll absolutely rub people up the wrong way. 
it'll absolutely draw criticism. I don't know if you've found that before. It'll absolutely invoke persecution. If we're boldly speaking the words of Jesus and doing the works of Jesus, you can guarantee rejection. Guys, if you've been rejected for speaking, speaking the words of Jesus, then take heart because you're on the right path. You're in good company. Here was a man happy to be rejected and persecuted that he might defend the one thing worth living for. And so incidentally, we'll see that for Stephen, following Christ isn't simply worth living for, but more importantly, worth dying for. Is something truly worth living for if it's not worth dying for? You know, the spirit attends to our suffering as well. The spirit attends to our suffering to deepen our faith. You know, chapter seven is the longest chapter in the book of Acts. And so Stephen begins to mount his defense of the gospel that he's been put in trial for. And he ends up putting his persecutors on trial. If you want to turn over the page to Acts chapter 7, we, we look at 51. This is the very end of Stephen's speech. We're going to look at the rest of Stephen's speech next week. But look what he says at the very end of his speech. He says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and your ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet that your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you've betrayed and murdered him. Do you see that? It's perhaps one of those moments in history that if you were there as an observer or even as a neutral, if you're a fly in the wall, you would wince and you'd think to yourself, oh no, he is gone there. He is absolutely gone there. There is no going back now. Stephen has put his, um, his betrayers, his, his accusers on trial. It was, in fact, his listeners who were hard-hearted. It was the religious leaders, it was the religious teachers, the elders of the law who had resisted the Holy Spirit, who had rejected the law. And here we see in all its fullness the power that God gives Stephen to suffer for his name. God has given Stephen the power to speak and he's given Stephen the power to suffer. The Jewish council were absolutely furious. They were full of rage at Stephen's condemnation of them. And then in that moment, you can see in 55 and 56, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And what does it say? And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Verse 56, look, he said, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And all the other references to the right hand of God in scriptures, we, we hear of the Son of Man, Jesus, being seated at the right hand of God. But look, look with me to verse 56. Look, he said, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So why is Jesus standing instead of sitting? Why is Jesus standing instead of sitting, church? It's for this very reason. He stood to receive Stephen's testimony and to be his advocate. He stood that he might come forward to be the judge of those who would trample on God's prophet, the spokesperson. Jesus is rising from his throne to come to Stephen's defense and to judge his persecutors. Jesus stood to vindicate Stephen. Do you see that? Jesus stood to vindicate Stephen. He stood to welcome Stephen. He stood in solidarity with Stephen. He stood to affirm Stephen. The Spirit had empowered Stephen to proclaim the gospel in the face of slander, 
in the face of persecution. And here we see the second person of the Trinity standing in heaven, affirming Stephen's witness. Church, it should be absolutely normal to be persecuted in a Christian life. It should be absolutely normal to be persecuted in a Christian life. And I'm convinced by Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount that blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed is Stephen who is now persecuted because of righteousness, because his is the kingdom of heaven. Even in the midst of slander and persecution, church, we can know the comfort of a saviour who stands in solidarity with us. And the presence of the spirit who emboldens us to trust and obey. The activity of the spirit isn't to remove suffering from us. It's important we hear that the activity of the spirit is not to remove suffering from us, nor to remove us from persecution, but instead in helping fulfill the mission of the gospel. Suffering and, and, and abiding in, in persecution isn't noble in and of itself, but instead our motivation and the end for which we choose to suffer is what's valuable. Guys, the challenge is that in, in times of suffering for, for me, for us, it tends to, to self-center us. In suffering, we're tempted to excuse ourselves from the gospel mandate, to withdraw from others and to indulge in self-pity. But yet it's at this very time that we need the help of the Spirit more than ever to remain faithful to our calling. And in responding to the Spirit during suffering can become a key moment for the transformation of our lives as Christians and a key moment for the transformation of those around us. Look at what happens when Stephen is dragged out of the city to be stoned. He, he is without a proper trial. There's, it's without due diligence. The legal matters were never settled. Rome was never called upon. The, the elders took matters into their own hands, dragged them out. And look at this. There stood one who approved of Stephen's murder, a young man named Saul. Suffering, in other words, can be an opportunity to deepen our faith. And it can also be an opportunity to be a catalyst to the transformation of others. However, it's only through the power of the Spirit we can rightly endure suffering. And thirdly, the Spirit empowers us to live well. The Spirit empowers us to live well. Why? To prepare us to die well. And Stephen, we have an ordinary man. He's empowered by the Spirit to face slander, to face, face persecution, and now to face death. Stephen is someone whose worth uh, is tied up in what Christ has done for him. Stephen is someone who's decided the esteem of the world is not worth living for. It's not worth the effort. Not worth defending. Stephen is someone who's, who's accepted the rejection of the world for the embrace of God. Stephen is someone who's considered everything else a loss for the sake of knowing Christ. You see, Stephen was able to live well and finish well because he knew well the Savior. He knew well the one who went before him. He knew well the one who endured the scorn of the crowd. The, the, the one who, who was beaten, the one who was whipped, the one who experienced slander, the one who experienced persecution, public ridicule, the humiliation of death on the cross. Jesus was slandered that we and that Stephen could be vindicated. Stephen knows full well the price that was paid for his freedom. And yet he's willing to follow suit. 
Stephen's fully assured that his value lies in what Christ has achieved for him. The acceptance of the Father and the Son are the only thing that matters for him. Stephen then crosses a pain line. Why? Because he's willing to follow the one who's already crossed it before him. That should be encouraging, church. Do you see the parallels with, with Jesus here? Jesus was saying all that time before, take up your cross and follow me. I wonder what your cross is today, church. Look at verses 59 and 60. Look at Stephen's last words. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Jesus said the very same things. He says, Father, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out. And Stephen said this, Lord, do not hold their sin against them. The very same thing that Jesus said. Father, do not hold this against them. Do you see the parallels here? Stephen is willing to give up his life because he's simply following the one who done that for him. Church, we, we've got to be willing to associate with Jesus, not only with lip service, but with action. And for most of us, I don't think we'll be asked to lay down our lives for him. Perhaps for some of us, this will be asked of us. But yet in, in associating with Jesus, we've got to accept the rejection that comes with it. And this is tough. There's no, no denying it. Church, the, the acceptance that I get, the Maffey gets from others impresses me too much. The comfort of not sharing my faith often outweighs the urgency of the message that I hold to. The desire to be liked by others weighs heavily against the, the truth of the gospel. In associating with Jesus, am I willing to be rejected? Am I willing to say the esteem of the world isn't worth the effort? You know, Peter, the great apostle, fall, fell flat on his face at this point. But yet so beautifully, Jesus restores him. And within six weeks, Peter preaches to thousands and saw thousands more come to faith. But the deeper learning for us, church, is not to invite more persecution or, or to suck it up when it comes along or even to get into people's faces so that we can be persecuted. No, the deeper learning is that instead we're to ask for boldness from the Spirit. We're to ask God, fill us with your grace and your power. And then we're to get on with our everyday ordinary lives. The Spirit empowers us to be courageous. It's not a feeling. Instead, it's an urgency that we have got what other people need. We have got a message that the world absolutely needs. Therefore, we need the power of the Spirit to help us communicate and to carry this gospel message. And guys, our measure of success is not whether people come to faith or not. To hear that our message of success isn't whether people come to faith. It's not whether people come to church or not. It's not whether we, we tell 10 or 15 people in, in this week. Our message is some, our, our success is simply this, whether we are obedient or not and carrying the message to those around us. So the question is, who is around you and who can you carry the message to? Stephen got slander, he got persecution, he got death. Ultimately, he gained an even greater victory. The church got persecuted. The church spread beyond Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria. Do you, do you remember what Acts uh, 1 verse 8 says? But you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It took Stephen's death to get the gospel outside of Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria. This is the Great Commission in action. The death of Stephen was a catalyst. Stephen's persecution set in motion the remainder of the book of Acts. And Luke records the, the acts of the Spirit in everyday ordinary believers' lives 
whole way from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 28. And church, I'm convinced that we live in the Acts chapter 29. We live in the follow-on where the Spirit of God still uses everyday ordinary believers to carry the message of the gospel. You know, as I close, I want to encourage you, I want to leave this with you, that the name Stephen, the name Stephen comes from the ancient Greek word Stephanos, which actually is a word for crown. It means crown. It's a, it's, it's a victor's crown. It's like a laurel or a wreath. It refers to like a garland or a laurel of leaves that are put around the neck. The wreath that's placed on the head as a reward for those who have been victorious. Victory might have been on a battlefield, might have been in an athletic contest, wherever it was. Name Stephen means victor's crown. Stephen received his victor's crown. He looked up to heaven that day and he seen Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, standing for him, cheering him on, welcoming him home. He has received his victor's crown. Church, I want to challenge us. Where do you need to be bold in your faith? What might it cost you? Is it worth it? Church, may we be a people who are discontent with the status quo, eager to be filled with a spirit to overflow, empowered to be bold in our conversations and in our lives. Even if we're rejected, even if we're persecuted, may we face slander, may we face persecution and even death with the face of an angel, knowing that a greater crown awaits us, one the world cannot offer, one that our contemporaries cannot even come close to, one that will outlast them all. The Spirit helps us forfeit our personal rights. The Spirit helps us attend to our suffering and helps us to live well so that we can defend the faith, so that we can deepen our own faith and to prepare us to die well. I encourage you to close your eyes just where you're at. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Give us a spirit of boldness. Make us courageous. Empower us, I pray, that we may defend the faith, that we may carry this faith wherever we may find ourselves. Jesus, I thank you that you use everyday, ordinary people to carry your message of the gospel to a broken and a needy world. Thank you for the model of Stephen. He is not the hero, he simply points to the one that is. And so, Jesus, may we do the same. Empower us with this surprising power that we may be fit to suffer for your name, that we may be bold in our evangelism, we may be bold in our conversations with our friends and with our family, because we simply carry the greatest news there is. We carry what we believe to be the answer, and that is you, Jesus. And so for this week ahead, I pray you will go before us, you prepare the way. And as the opportunities come, empower us and embolden us, give us your courage, that we may live lives without fear, for the applause of one King Jesus. Amen. Amen.